0: This week on Pep Talks, I'm thinking about the dream. The dream as engine for art. And I'll also be looking at some choice dream-using artists from art history. I'll take a look at the dream works of Albrecht Durer, Odilon Redon, Andre Masson, Jasper Johns, and Catherine Murphy. And investigate what was happening in the depths of their REM states and how they alley oop that into their respective art practices. Oh, and this will be a two-part series. The second installment will be an interview with painter Melissa Capasso. So please come back next time for that. Be back in 30 seconds after the Bumpers Funky Jams. You are listening to Pep Talks for Artists, a podcast offering small words of encouragement to all those shuffling along the artist's road. I'm your host, Amy Toledo. Once I was watching an artist talk over Zoom, which was a three part conversation between Chie Fueiki and Alexi Worth with Catherine Murphy on the occasion of Chie and Alexei's show at D.C. Moore Gallery in New York. And towards the end, maybe about one hour in, Catherine mentioned that her painting images sometimes come from dreams. She said that specifically, two of her oil paintings from a recent show at Peter Freeman Gallery were made this way. Flight which shows a blue gingham dress or apron splayed at the bottom of four carpeted stairs, and begin again, which shows an expanse of lime green and white patterned wallpaper, kind of in a Victorian style, with five blue-painted hand outlines drawn upon it, you know, kind of like when kids draw Thanksgiving turkeys. And one of the hands still has her hand inside it, and her arm is coming in from the frame. And asking her to elaborate, Alexi Worth mentioned that Jasper Johns' flag painting was also famous for having been conceived of in a dream. And it got me wondering, like, is this a thing? Is this a way of working that was maybe more common than I thought? So I got a book called Painting the Dream by Daniel Berges and combed through it looking for real dreamers. Like, not just art that showed a sleeping person or an eerie tone, or a scene with quote-unquote dream-like imagery. Because, as you know, the whole of art history is clogged with allegories of dreams and dreamers and dreaming. But it's harder to find art that was actually made from an actual dream. So... I set out to unearth the bona fides. The book yielded just a few under this strict criteria because it too had included many sleepers and dream-like works. But here is a distilled version, the essential oils, if you will, for us to consider. The German painter Albrecht Dürer once woke up from a dream or nightmare one morning. June 7th, 1525 to be exact and made a small half text, half watercolor work about it on an 11 by 16 inch sheet of paper titled Dream Vision In the dream he was about to be swallowed up by a flood He wrote, quote I saw this appearance in my sleep How many great waters fell from heaven The first struck the earth about four miles away from me with a terrific force, with tremendous clamor and clash, drowning the whole land. I was so sore afraid that I awoke from it before the other waters fell. I was so frightened when I awoke that my whole body trembled, and for a long while I could not come to myself. So when I arose in the morning, I painted above here as I had seen it. God turn all things to the best." End quote. The image he painted below the words is a vast, flat, yellow plain of low rolling hills, dotted with orange distant trees. And in the distance, in the sky, are these blue vertical blobby caterpillar shapes descending from the top. Most not quite meeting the ground, kind of like beginning waterspouts. But there is one central one that has touched down, tornado-like. And it is the darkest and widest and is billowing out from the impact on the ground. Some argue that he was dreaming of the apocalypse. Dürer's watercolor is cited as one of the first true dream memories recorded in Western art history. And now I'm going to pivot to the symbolist artist, Odilon Redon. He was known as the Prince of Dreams. And in his childhood, he lived in isolation in an uncle's country house from about age six to ten and he suffered frequent bouts of epilepsy. He developed his love of black and white drawing as a lonely child. And regarding the charcoal drawings and lithographs that he made after returning from the war, he said about the color black in art, quote, One must respect black. Nothing prostitutes it. It does not please the eye, and it awakens no sensuality. It is the agent of the mind far more than the most beautiful color to the palette or prism, End quote. He published a portfolio of 10 black and white lithographs in 1879 called Dans le Rêve, or In the Dream, and he produced two separate etchings on buff paper, both titled Dream Vision, circa 1880. The first shows a dark abstracted interior, it could be maybe a room or a cave, and a lone figure in a robe is sort of loitering on the left, and he might be holding a sphere. And in the other, we see an androgynous nude figure standing on the shore of a lake with two large stone heads lolling about on the ground nearby. Two heads also shine in the sky like a sun. Both these images are soft focus, they're dark and inky, crosshatchy, and you have to peer closely to make out the details. To me, more than any of the other more, you know, eyeball-y, bat, spider-y, dream-like works that he made, these two seem to be records of actual dreams, sort of fuzzy and undefined, blurring at the edges not able to be fully known, exactly like a dream. So now I wanna talk about another really interesting dream work from Painting the Dream that I came across during my strict and rigid reading of the book. It's a painting by André Masson called Gradiva. So this is totally fascinating But it gets really complicated, so I'm going to try to codify and condense for us here. Basically, the dream of Gradiva originally began in the slumbering brain of a man named Wilhelm Hermann Jensen, a German author. He used a dream he had as the basis for a novella titled The Gradiva, The Woman Who Walks. In the novella and dream, an archaeologist named Norbert sees a bas-relief sculpture of a Greek woman whose foot is lifted in a vertical position, like mid-step. Her name is Gradiva, named for Mars Gradivas, because the protagonist sort of imagines her as walking through walls or striding into war. Norbert has a premonition one night that he needs to warn the stone carving about the impending eruption of Mount Vesuvius. But he's too late. He watches helplessly as she collapses in the, quote, rain of ash before disappearing into the fissure located on the wall, end quote. Okay, so that was Wilhelm's dream. And then Freud, the famous psychoanalyst, read the novella. And because his specialty was dream analysis, he analyzed it. And then he published his interpretations. And that's how Gradiva became famous. Her name and the dream infiltrated the young surrealist movement very quickly. Salvador Dali painted her multiple times and even called his wife Gala Gradiva as a nickname. André Breton named his Duchamp designed gallery Gradiva. And finally, André Masson painted the scene in his own painting, Gradiva, in 1939. In Masson's painting, A cubist-style, contorted woman crouches on a stone platform against a blood-red Roman fresco wall. One of her legs is flesh, and the other is stone, and is wearing a Roman sandal. In the center of her straddling body is a cut of steak and a conch shell. Whoa, that was like real real thunder. I might leave that in the podcast. Okay. Behind her on the wall to the left is a vertical black zigzagging gash. And to the right is an opening showing an erupting volcano at night, Mount Vesuvius. Gradiva became the muse of the burgeoning surrealist movement. And Freud even commissioned a bas-relief made real, or replica, for his own office. The diva was so appealing to them because, as you know, the surrealists were extremely into dream imagery and the unconscious and automatic drawing. In fact, in La Révolution Surrealiste, a journal published by Breton, Eloard, Artaud, Lery, and Louis Aragon, dream stories were often published. And to illustrate this point, At the Bureau of Surrealist Research at 15 Rue de Grenelle, which means Attic, Street of the Attic, the public was allowed to write down their dreams and submit them to the artists, poets, and writers of the movement. In Painting the Dream, Daniel Berges says, quote, By drawing on the unconscious, the Surrealists would discover astonishing and powerful images in their writing, but while psychoanalysts saw these images as the mark of old personal traumas, which the analyst must decipher in order to cure, the surrealist writers and painters saw them as a powerful source of imagination and creativity that could re evaluate existence by dedicating it to freedom and desire. End quote. Specifically, Louis Aragon you may remember him as co-publisher of La Révolution Surrealiste, wrote in 1924 a very early, long-form poem that predates Breton's Surrealist Manifesto, and it's called Une Vague de Rêve, otherwise known as A Wave of Dreams. He loved chance and the unexpected, To him, dreams were there to, quote, loosen the sense of self in creative work. It's a wild and wonderful piece, and I'll read just a bit for us here. Quote, Dreams, dreams, dreams. With each step, the domain of dreams expands. Dreams, dreams, dreams. At last, the blue sun of dreams forces the steel-eyed beasts back to their Layers. Dreams, 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 on the lips of love, on the numbers of happiness, on the teardrops of carefulness, on the signals of hope, on building sites where a whole nation submits to the authority of pickaxes. Dreams, dreams, dreams. Nothing but dreams where the wind wanders and barking dogs are out on the roads. Oh, magnificent dream, in the pale morning of buildings, leaning on your elbows on chalk cornices, merging your pure mobile features with the miraculous immobility of statues. Don't ever leave again enticed by Dawn's deliberate lies. Now, I'm going to zoom us forward a bit, closer to modern times. To 1954, in fact. To Jasper Johns making his flag in encaustic paint and newspaper after trying it out in slow-drying enamel and hating it. He wanted to use images, quote, The mind already knows. And here he is explaining the dream that inspired it all. Quote, one night, I dreamed that I painted a large American flag. And the next morning, I got up and went out and bought the materials to begin it. End quote. Okay, so the Jasper John section was a bit of a quickie because what I really want to talk about and end with is a bit more about what Catherine Murphy said about painting her dreams. I transcribed a bit of her talking about her dream paintings. From the Painting Table, Catherine Murphy Talks with Chie Fuecki and Alexi Wirth, January 21st, 2022, hosted by DC Moore Gallery. And, P.S., the whole talk is really, really good, and I highly recommend you listen to the whole thing. But if you want to zoom right to the Catherine dream bit, it's about one hour in. You can find it on the DC Moore website, and I'll also put a link in the show description. So in the talk, Catherine Murphy says, quote, A lot of the paintings are dreams, literally dreams. I wake up in the morning and I go, oh, sheesh, I got to do that. And, you know, my favorite thing in the whole world is that someplace along the line, I started dreaming paintings and I was like, oh, geez, it's too good to be true. End quote. She goes on to say that her dream paintings are, quote, special. And, quote, less than the majority. So they are a bit rare. And she continues, quote, trust me, when you dream a painting, you pay attention. You know that something significant is happening in your brain and you pay attention, end quote. So I'm not really myself a dream harnesser, but the whole endeavor fascinates me. Of course, I remember occasional vivid dreams about art, or paintings and sculptures, or full exhibitions created out of whole cloth in my dream mind. But they always sort of dissolve like caterpillar threads or cobwebs right after I wake up. Maybe the key is just the remembering Capturing the images before they float away, in a little bedside notebook or phone app. Something to think about, to be sure. Strange masterpieces may be lurking there on the fringes of the unconscious, just waiting to be snagged and pulled into our waking lives. But anyway, thanks for coming along with me on my dream quest. And there's no real end or final point that I prepared, so I'll leave you with another excerpt from Aragon still tossing and turning in his dream waves, quote, I do not know what will come of this new undertaking of dreams. Who is there? Ah, good. Let in the infinite. Welcome to my dream. It's good to see you again. You've been listening to Pep Talks for Artists and the first installment of the dream in art. Please come back next time to hear the second part where I interview visionary painter Melissa Capasso about her unique process of daydreaming a visual novel while walking. In the meantime, you can connect with me and the podcast on Instagram at Pep Talks for Artists. I really appreciate you stopping by and I'll see you next time. Shadow twilight Poured in a glass cup